Hi, my name is David Dillon Thomas. Welcome to another episode of the Cognitive Biased Podcast. Uh, we were off for a week, but now we are back. Thank you for joining me. Today we're going to talk about the illusion of control. Um, and this is a bias uh, that was named by uh, Alan Langer in 1975. And she did some really cool experiments around this. And basically the bias is you think you have control when you really don't have control. And this is especially easy to show in games of chance. So one of the experiments she conducted sort of showed that uh, when people are playing craps, when they need a higher number, they throw the dice harder. When they need a lower number, they throw the dice softer. Now we both know there is absolutely no impact, right, on what the outcome of the die is going to be, like to make it higher or lower by how you throw it. But, you know, our brains take that so literally that we just sort of feel like, yeah, if I throw it harder, of course, like that's probably going to come, you know, be higher. And then if I need a low number, I'm not going to throw so hard because I don't want it to be too high, right? Like that feels right, right? But it makes absolutely no sense. Um, but it's that illusion of control over a thing that you actually have zero control over. And um, one of the things she points out is that when there are what she calls like cues or skill cues, like that there's some part of this thing of chance that feels like you should have control over it, like rolling the die, right? Like that's a physical thing you do, or at a slot machine, like pulling on the slot, you know, like it could be just the same if you push a button, but actually having that thing that you crank, like it makes you feel like you have more control than you do. And actually I'd be curious if anyone's done a study on like the push button slot machines versus the ones that you pull down on, if people feel a different level of control, depending on which kind they use. But in any case, it's that sort of thing, right? That was one of the things she points to as the kind of thing that might contribute to an illusion of control. Um, she did another one that again was based on a game of chance, right? It's a lottery and you know, you pick a ticket and your odds of winning are whatever they are. And the difference was you could either be randomly assigned a ticket or you could actually pick your own. Um, the people who picked their own ticket, when they were offered the chance to um, exchange their ticket for a different game that actually had better odds of winning, they were less likely to do it if they picked their own ticket. Like if they were randomly assigned one, they'd be like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll go into this game that has better odds of winning because, you know, that's the rational choice. But if they picked their own ticket you know, somehow they felt that, oh, wait, I don't want to let go of my ticket. Like, I picked my ticket. I, I exerted some control over this, right? Like, I uh, I might be giving that up, right, if I go to this other thing that actually had better odds of winning, right? Like, we don't like to give up that illusion of control. Um, there's another thing that you can do, like, uh, with buttons, right? So um, this is a different experiment, but uh, they put people in this virtual reality space. And the idea was it was to, like, get you over a fear of heights, um, but basically it's, you're in an, the game is like, you're in an elevator and you press the buttons and some of the people, the game was rigged so that no matter what buttons you pressed, it wouldn't change the outcome, but they were told they had control. So even though observably, like if they were just watching what was happening, there would be absolutely no impact. Um, like the buttons wouldn't actually be doing anything. They believed that they had control over the situation. They're asked later, like when you press the buttons, did you have control? Like, yeah, we did, even though they actually didn't. Um, so, uh, or they said so it was the same, like they had the same feeling of control that the people who actually did have control over the buttons felt they had. And this makes me like wonder about like, there are some, um, some, uh, elevator buttons like the closed door button that don't actually do anything, but they make you feel better. Right. So it is that illusion of control. It's like, if I just press this button enough times, right. Or, or like if you want the elevator doors to close faster, you press that button harder, or you press the number for the, um, the floor you want to go to like multiple times. Like that's really going to make a difference. Like it's just this thing that we do. Um, and, uh, 
I see the same thing with like those buttons that are supposed to like make it easier for you to cross the street. I don't know whether those really work or not, but I have the feeling that we wouldn't really know either way, right? It just feels like they should have control, right? Um, so another one I love is that um, they did a study where like 40% of people who were kind of exposed to this coin tossing game, like they felt that they could get better at guessing the outcome of a coin toss with practice. Now just think about that for a second. This is something that is demonstrably false. Like every single coin flip is different. You have zero, you have exact same amount of control over coin flip number one as you do over coin flip number 1000, which is zero, <laughs> right? But just because that's how we, you know, interact with things that involve like physical actions or whatever, like we think, oh, there must be some degree of control we have, right? Um, it's a really powerful illusion. Um, another one I like is that um, people uh, who are driving think that if they are driving the car, they're less likely to be in an accident than if they are a passenger. And this is kind of also related to something called the optimism bias, which basically says that I'm awesome at everything. So more like more than 50% of American drivers believe that they are above average drivers, which again, mathematically can't be true. We can't all be better than average drivers, but we still think that, you know, if I'm in the driver's seat, it's better for everybody. If I'm in the passenger seat, oh, you know what? I can't trust this person driving this car. I might, I'm, I'm more likely to get in an accident. Um, and it's that, that illusion of control. So what's interesting about this um, uh, bias is that it's grouped with these uh, biases that are kind of called positive illusions because there actually is some, you know, socio-normative kind of like uh, positive aspect to having this this illusion. Like it's actually useful um, in a way that isn't necessarily harmful to people, right? So one of the things that they observe is that people who have this, it can help you to like persist at a task that you, where you otherwise might give up, right? Or try something that you might not otherwise try. So I think I've seen this kind of in my own life where uh, my first movie um, I made back in like 1997, right? Um, just a couple years out of college and it was the short film. It took about a week to film and I had planned everything out and I'm like, you know what? I bet I can do this. I feel like I can do this. And then I ran into all these challenges while I was making it. And if I had been told in advance, okay, look, here are all the things that are going to go wrong that you're going to have to fix, you know, on the fly this week, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to working in a record store. I don't think I need to, <laughs> you know, try to, try to, try to do this thing. This is going to be terrible, but because I was foolish enough, just foolish enough to not realize how hard it would be, I kind of went into it with both feet and then just did it, right? So I had a little bit of the illusion of control and maybe a little optimism bias going on that got me through it. And I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that no one told me how hard it would be because I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, so there are positive aspects. The thing is, though, um, it can also go the other way, right? Like, if you think you're a little too, you know, much in control, then you might do things like, you know, be unresponsive to, to negative feedback, right? Someone's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go down this path. Um, it, it might make you a bad learner, right? It's hard to accept new knowledge if you think you know it all. Um, you might take greater risks that you probably shouldn't take, like you're a little too um, risk, uh, not risk averse, risk taking? I don't know. You take too many risks. Um, and, uh, they actually did an experiment with um, stock traders. And again, they gave them one of those games where it looks like you might have control, but you don't actually have any control. And those people who felt like they had a lot of control also um, 
they scored lower on analysis, risk management, and contribution to profits, and they also earned less, right, as, as traders. So they were actually really bad stock traders. And that's a, that's a game where, like, the illusion of, illusion of control can be, like, really shaky, right? Um, uh, it's really easy to succumb to uh, a very big illusion of control um, in that game. Um, and that's also like this notion of magical thinking, right? Like that, that's usually, uh, it can be a very dangerous thing, um, that's related to the illusion of control. Um, now sort of one of the like reverse effects of this is in people who are depressed, um, they kind of have the opposite, right? Even when they do have control, they actually believe they have no control. So it's almost the inverse. Um, so too little of this, right, can also be, um, averse for you. Um, but, uh, so it definitely has its pluses and its minuses, but, um, oh, and one other thing, um, with the illusion of control, uh, self-blame. So one of the sort of downstream effects of the illusion of control can be that when something goes wrong, you can kind of blame yourself, even if it wasn't necessarily your fault or wasn't just about you. And I know I've, you know, had this in my own life as well, where something will go wrong and I just, my gut reaction is to blame myself and get down on myself. Um, even when really, if you rationalize, you know, or like look at it objectively, I really wasn't that much my fault or maybe even had nothing to do with me. Um, like someone might get angry at me and I'll be like, oh my God, what did I do? When in fact, no, they were just having a bad day and nothing to do with me, but I'll like spend hours just obsessing over how much I must've screwed up. That is in fact a coping mechanism, right? It's an illusion of control because it feels safer to have that be under my control than to acknowledge the fact that sometimes people might get angry at me and I'm not going to be able to do anything to stop it, right? Because <laughs> the illusion of control there is like, oh, if I can just behave correctly from now on, I can control this and no one will ever get mad at me again. But that's not how life works. But the illusion of control is kind of there to try to cope with that and try to say, well, no, no, I can control everything. I can control exactly how everyone responds to me all the time. Isn't that awesome, right? Um, so that's another sort of downside of the illusion of control. Um, but, you know, unlike most of the biases we talked about, at least this one has a couple of good aspects to it. Um, so anyway, that's all for this week, and uh, we'll, back, we'll be back next week with another Cognitive Bias. This is the Cognitive Bias Podcast, and I'm your host, David Dylan Thomas. We'll see you next time.